Welcome to another episode of About Being Alive uh, with your host, Jason. And Jordan. And we're going to start off as usual with a little meditation to guide us into the podcast. So if you are walking around, if you are in your house doing chores, maybe take a moment to sit down. Uh, If you are driving, I would advise you to not close your eyes. I would advise you to use the heavy machinery as intended. Don't get distracted. Um, So settling in, if you are sitting down and able to take a break, feet planted on the floor, make your spine straight but relaxed, hands in the lap, and softly close your eyes. Take one deep, slow breath through the nose. And out through the mouth. Again, slow, deep breath in through the nose. And out the mouth. One more deepest breath of the day. And slowly breathe out your mouth. Return to the natural rhythm of the breath in the body, letting the body breathe as it wants to. Notice any subtle movements of the breath in the body. What does your attention notice? Where are you noticing your breath move? Simply watching. Now in your imagination, bring to mind a moment in which you had a big smile on your face or maybe you were laughing with friends. A moment in which you felt completely in flow with laughter or smiling. And if nothing in particular comes to mind easily, you can just bring up an image of of yourself, maybe as a small child, and just imagine yourself holding back a smile, holding back laughter, and then letting the laughter out. The type of laughter that happens almost out of pure reaction. Uncontrollable belly laughter. You can think to yourself how wonderful it is to experience that emotion. Notice any emotions that come up in the body as you are visualizing this. If you notice anything come up, tingling, something in the gut, wherever it is, just notice it and relax. Relax into the emotion, whether it's positive or negative one. Just feel that.
Now bring your attention back to your breath. Notice the rhythm of the breath, whether it's shallow or deep, slow, quick. Now bring your attention back to the room. Maybe wiggle your toes a little bit and softly open your eyes whenever you're ready. Thanks, June. Thanks for sharing that. Um, Okay, well, um, you didn't ask me, but I'm going to tell you what laughter experience I thought of. Tell me. Um, and it's kind of one of those, it was one of those, uh, <laughs> one of those psychopath moments where, because I was by myself and I broke into hysterical laughter. I was like just moving to my place and all these things were falling into alignment. I re there's a cool yoga studio, um, a coffee shop, then like this restaurant with really cool people. And then there's a water shop, and I love water, big water, big water person. Um, yeah, why and, do you like water? Oh, it's uh, what's what's going on? With I don't water? know. I don't know where it started. I think my you know my mom's mom really liked water as well, so it's probably genetic or something. Um, what about what kind of water? Real, like real good water, like ideally natural spring water, but you do what you can in, here in Southern California. So I got so there's a water shop. Yeah, I need to know more about this water. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, but I'll let you keep going. Yeah, let me keep going. So there's a water shop nearby, and I go in there, and the water, the water people, okay, in the shop are really just genuine, and they're telling me about their process of filtering their water. So anyway, I get this five gallon jug of water, and I'm driving in my car. I take a sip, and I just say to myself, "That's some good water." <laughs> Just like that. And then it was one of those moments where like at one time, like everything came together. I'm like, this is my spot. Like I'm in this new place. All these things are great. And then I also just said something really weird and creepy to myself. And I just, I had to it's pull over because I was just laughing hysterically. But that's what that was. It all came me. back to that one moment. Yeah. It's like that was the moment of, the, that was the climax. That was the climax of like my whole move. That was that sip of water. Was the climax. The journey came all the way, the journey of finding a place. I know that was a past challenge yeah. that you were looking into. And then you found the place, you found the water. And I found the water, found my, my well, you know. Uh, so, yeah, that was thanks for putting that memory up mm -hmm. again. Yeah, where's that practice? Where does that come from? I would say that practice is kind of free flow yeah i didn't take that from anything i just kind of thought about that right before we started our podcast yeah oh, this could be kind of good <laughs> let's savor this emotion yeah um one thing that it was influenced by was the idea of imagining future situations as if they're happening right now physically somatically so bringing up a memory of laughter and then feeling how we felt that kind of actually mm -hmm. imprints a physical memory onto us in the moment too yeah, right when we right. really savor and focus in on oh laughing or 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 joy or hysterical laughing and then we come back to it that's what savoring is right yeah well when you started going into it, i was like oh this is this is so you this is so you, dude. So it seemed like a convergence, a cool uh, convergence of, you know, the clowning, um, the comedy, the improv, and then the mindfulness. It's not to say we can always be laughter. Right. I mean, we can't always be that. No. 
Um, but sometimes it's good to be like, hey, this is a good memory. We think about memories all day. Yeah. Why can't we think of some cool stuff sometimes? And it does, it's an imprint, dude. It, it is an imprint. And it might not be, you know, I think of, uh, you ever do like finger paint or like your handprint yeah. and paint, right? Not in a long time. Yeah. But we, now I really want should to. We, do, we should do that during a pod maybe. Oh, yeah. But you, you like, yeah. So you put your hand in paint, you put it on a piece of paper. And the first one is really, you know, well-formed and salient. And then if you would to go do another one, it's yeah. a little less... You know, the print isn't quite as clear or filled out. And I think that's kind of what bringing up those memories is like, right? It, it might not be as filled in as the original handprint, but there are still components that are there that are meaningful, you know? Yeah, and I think by savoring it, and, and what I mean by that is like getting into a relaxed state, mm. letting go of distractions, it kind of dips your hand back in the ink a little bit. And so when you do another handprint, you see the outline more. Yeah. Because we're able to be relaxed and recall with a nostalgic feeling of, oh, nice. Yeah. Aww. That's a, okay. So I got a qu question for you because I've, you know, there's the research that says visualization. Um, and, and there's like a famous studies in the context of sports where they show that by visualizing doing uh, reps, I think it was on the bench press, they had, they had three groups one lifting weights, one lifting weights and visualizing, and another just visualizing. And what they found is that, the group that lifted weights and visualized experienced the greatest gains. Um, and the group that just visualized that didn't lift experienced 75% of the gains that the weightlifters did. And to me, like, you know, the, using the handprint analogy, I don't know if visualizing is 75% because that's a lot, right, of the original, of the actual physical action. Or in that case, being in the moment, experiencing that laughter, you know, what are your thoughts on that is of how uh, how salient or, you know, what what type of mark that 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 of practicing visualization in general or, or an act like savoring could be? Yeah. It reminds me of this author, Rick Hansen, UCLA guy. Hmm. He wrote a book called I mean, The Buddha's Brain is a very uh, popular one. It's about like the scientific reasonings of mindfulness. Uh, but he wrote a book called Hardwiring Happiness. And I remember this, he is a neuroscientist and said that to wire happiness of a moment that happened, you have to spend time imprinting it because it takes a couple seconds hmm. for memory to go from the working memory part of our brain to the long-term memory. And imprinting is sitting with and savoring or feeling that memory that's that experience that's happening in the working memory working mm. memory being information that you can hold in your thoughts for like two to 15 to 30 seconds at a time long-term memory being something you remember for a very long time far and far off and so we're kind of always working in our working memory area and we bring in things in the long term riding a bike long-term memory muscle memory at that point so his suggestion is the visualization comes in is wire, like spend time savoring that experience when it's happening, when you feel that, mm. so that you can wire in happiness. So it imprints longer. Got it. We tend to do that instead with like things like sadness or, which is just as important. I think it's actually yeah. important to also savor grieving and sadness. It's also important to savor happiness. That makes sense. So you got to be, you know, next time it's like, hold on. You have a really ha happy moment or good laugh. It's like, uh, quick break, guys. Got to gotta do Close your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> quick break. Close your eyes. Imprint, yeah. imprint, imprint. Yeah. Well, That's how more, it's done, right? The more time you bring up that story of the water, yeah, the more likely you'll remember that. And it can be a resource to even thinking about it will bring up some resilience. Because mm. how many stories do we have that we forget? Yeah year later, five years later, of just hilarious moments in our lives that we just tend to brush off. And that's why that imprinting is could be important because then we remember things that bring us joy. Hmm. I mean, with, so with imprinting, you could, I mean, you could jot it down too, right? But it seems like taking those few moments after to just appreciate, also just appreciate how good it feels. Yeah, like experientially feel it. Like that's been my struggle is how to not run away from feelings of boredom 
or even feelings of happiness and not try to just chase the next moment. That's what we do with our phones, right? Is like we escape the experience and to go into a new experience. But we're missing out on what's happening right now. The stimulation of me sitting down in this chair right now can be a feeling of relaxation, but I'm spending time thinking about all the crap that I have to do. Yeah. So how do we dial back into some funny moment and let it last for 15 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute long, instead of a quick laugh, a, a 30 second laugh of that's some good water. And then putting some music on, putting on a podcast, driving, forgetting it. Yeah. Someone told me, I was like, I was asking like commute to works or school a lot longer now. Like what, you know, what do I do at this time? Like just sit in silence. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. It's kind of, it's weird. Have you been doing it? Yeah. <laughs> I feel better, but I get very impatient sometimes. Yeah. Especially if it's a rush day. It's weird. I want more stimulation, yet I also hate it and I get angrier. Yeah. that That's it. I, I just actually last night had that, had an intense feeling of that. So um, I left my wallet on the plane and the airplane. Um, all right. That's that's the theory. That's the latest, greatest <laughs> theory of where <laughs> my wallet it? is. Yeah. Um, so I got all the way to my house and before I realized I lost it. So then I drove back to the airport. And during that drive, very little patience. Right, because I want to find out where this wall is. So I'm yeah. living completely in the future, and I'm shifting through songs probably every five seconds. Right, <laughs> you know, flipping through songs. Uh, yeah, sorry, you know, scrolling. You know, potentially opening Instagram. Hype. You know, I may or may not. That may or may not have happened. Good disclaimer. Right. Um. So, and that was like it was inc- it was wild how the you know how frequently and and low my patience and tolerance and how much stimuli I wanted to distract myself from these this discomfort and the mind's chaos grows yes I was in traffic two days ago coming back from my Cairo appointment chiropractic work <laughs> crack crack on the back yeah, yeah and I was I was going towards my Cairo appointment I remember that and I was just so frustrated because there's all the traffic and cars and you know stoplights, I'm on PCH, Pacific Coast Highway, and it's just hectic and I'm shuffling through songs and no song hits the dopamine. Nothing's quite hitting it right. And that's the, that's when you know there's a trouble we're brewing. Yeah. When, yeah. There's no, <laughs> when there's no song is good enough. And then I remember finally settling this song, Jimmy Eat World, Pain. And it's a very loud, you know, 90s grunt, yeah. <laughs> you know everyone's listening they get it you can search it up and there was a moment when i just hit my hand against my other hand and being so pissed that i'm a little late in traffic and waiting and grumpy and i didn't eat properly and i turned the music off because like it wasn't enjoying this and i just sat there and it was like after about 10 minutes i finally got relaxed yeah yeah, and, and you, you, I think you said it really well. The dopamine hit. That was what I was looking for. Yeah. And shuffling those songs. I just wanted some relief. That's what we're all looking for. Yeah. <laughs> we're all looking for that dopamine. Most of the time, right? Most of the time we are, unless we are able to, I think, observe and, and feel and, and begin to experience life without it, without that c- consistent rushes. Spikes. The spikes, yeah, without the spikes. I, I like to think dopamine is like insulin. And I had this theory about uh, the attention diet and how like you could have, you can get hungry and then you eat sugar and it spikes your insulin. You feel a rush of energy, your blood sugar rises and you feel like you have energy because you're eating these quick acting carbs that spike your insulin. But if you do it too much, you can, you're at risk for chronic diet, chronic insulin spiking Diabetes kind of follows from that one, the type of diabetes. And I think dopamine's similar. We want spikes of dopamine, but it screws us up. What would you say? What's the diabetes of dopamine? Attention deficit trait. Hmm. I think that there is ADD and, and some of the research indicates that about only 5% of the population, less than 5% have it. That they're born with that. Other times we are conditioning ourselves to quick 
dopamine quick novelty and it creates a need just like a craving for sugar to crave yeah. for dopamine yeah I, I it's been true for me in my experience and uh and and so as a kid we didn't we didn't have sweets at our house um which at the time was really obnoxious and i felt very i didn't like it I so your like mom yeah. and your dad yeah did not have sweets didn't have sweets and we were i mean we were they health freaks yeah yeah, so we, I mean, we, had, we were drinking almond milk back in the mid-90s. Mm. Almond beverage or almond milk? Oh, uh, that was milk back there. It might have been beverage. Because we'll it's a hot take these days. What's going on that's beverage, milk? I don't know. Which difference? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's semantics at some point, um, especially because it's almond and you're not milking an almond, right? They don't have udders as far as I'm aware. So, so, so because of that, um, you know, I'd go these long periods without these dopamine spikes, yeah, which I or insulin spikes, which I equate to um, taking you know a week or two off Instagram, right? And then I'd go to a friend's house, and you, and they'd have Chips Ahoy, right? They'd have Snickers, they'd have Lucky Charms, and they'd open that cupboard, and I would go in because there was and there's no restrictions on how much you could have either. So my parents would like pick me up, and I'd just be like wired, but almost like strung out at that point, like sugar strung out. And um, they're like, what happened? And and I feel that way sometimes with social media or, or the dopamine, right? Where you, even you take a break, you feel great, right? You feel what that level reality could be like. And then you get a little taste and it jacks up your whole system. Yeah, I'm a wolf. Yeah. I haven't eaten in five days. Right. And I just found a lot of meat. Yeah. And it feels like I'm binging on Instagram, just yeah. eating, 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 going through the news feed, going through the exploring page, looking at stupid basketball and baseball videos that I really couldn't care about that much. <laughs> yeah. But it's hitting the dopamine. Yeah. There was an interesting conversation with uh, some uh, college students at CMC brought it up of not trying to, uh, you know, finding healthier ways to use it as opposed to the argument being that it's more sustainable to do that. And to not use it at all, to not use social media at all. And I know we've talked about this before. We've both tried both. And I'm at, I'm at the point where I, I think cutting it off. I told you I want to get rid of my phone. You want to get rid of your phone. Yeah, you mentioned. Bye bye phone. <laughs> I want to get rid of it. I took a time off from Instagram for two weeks uh, f- from the new moon to the full moon. No Instagram. What I find? I still find things. I go on YouTube. I start yeah. searching YouTube. Yeah. Searching YouTube for videos. Yeah. What? Yeah. I start going on news.google.com. I hate news. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Right. I start looking at baseball news a lot more. I start refreshing my email. So I think that I know of places to get dopamine, and that's the issue. I still get it. I still find a way to search for novelty instead of sitting there and just kind of being in a mindful state or letting reality fortune dictate new opportunities in the environment when I'm there and being present. It's hard to do that all the time because I just have this need to be stimulated. It'll be interesting to see how we how this changes us from like even a neurochemical standpoint in the next 10, 15 years. Because we're, there's in, there's gotta be an imbalance from what we've been accustomed to in, in drastic proportions, right? Like you think of, we're, we're actually having these conversations, but there's a lot of people um, in, in different age brackets, particularly the younger generations that have been exposed to it at a much earlier age and, and, and phase of their brain development. Yeah. and at this point, I mean, it, it, it could be, and here's a possibility, right? That it rewire, it's just, it's just another evolution, right? It, that it rewires the brain in a way where the argument of whether it's healthy or not becomes irrelevant because the way that their, their brains are able to function and they're able to function in this new society, it, it works. Yeah, that's the argument for is, well, we're adapting. Yeah. We're all going to live in the virtual reality. That's what's happening. We're living in VR. And, you know, like Gary V says, 
You think it's bad spending four hours on Instagram now? Wait till kids are spending six hours in virtual reality every day. Put it on the headset, live in life. Um, I don't know if I want to live that reality. I think that real reality of watching the ocean can offer so much more than watching a TV screen of the ocean. Yeah. Um, it, it, there, it resets our brain. Being in nature resets our brain. You know, I'm going to be going to Joshua Tree in a few weeks to go camping. When you go out there, a friend was telling me the desert is so low. Everything's low and you can see very far. So what does that do psychologically that we can start seeing very far and we can start putting our mind very far outside of us a little bit versus the city. We feel a little crammed. We're like, we're really centered into our body versus the desert. It's open, vast, wide. That makes sense. And, and especially with the coast, or I guess with the desert too, but the coastal, it's, you know, when you see and you can see that far, you, you meet possibilities out there in the distance, right? You, you look out as far as the eye can see out there. There's that curiosity. Well, what's just past that, right? There's a natural inclination. I can, you could see so far, but you don't necessarily see that, right? When you're in a city like New York or Manhattan, for example, you're looking around, you're seeing the building. You're not necessarily asking, well, I wonder what, you know. Because there's so much in yeah, front of your face. It's right in front of your face. Yeah. So come back to the question of the good or bad. Yeah. Is this is this phone stuff good or bad? I think it is what it is, right? Yeah. I think it's what it is. Yeah. It could be an adaption. It also is frustrating <laughs> so, because yeah. it does keep me from pursuing goals. It keeps me from being creative. And I think that would be considered bad in my book. I'm going to value that because I think ex creative expression is uh, an objective good. I said it. I'll agree. I will say to the, to the other end is that this also allows you to create. Yes. Yes. You can post a video. Someone in Saudi Arabia yeah. can watch it. Yeah. What? Never in history has it ever happened. Yeah. It's a tool, you know, but I'm, I'm with you. Um, I'd rather put this tool down and I'm interested to hear how your watch experience goes. If, you, if you go in, you know, if you decide to dive in there. Yeah, and, scary. And, and the type of how you replace, because, you know, it's funny, you know, we were talking before about rituals and there's a lot of rituals that we do that are tied up in our phone, right? So seeing what new rituals perhaps you replace with when, you know, when you don't have that anymore. That's the thing. It's all replacing. Yeah. I can't just get rid of Instagram and think that my life's better because I'll still find ways to get that novelty stimulation, that dopamine stimulation. And so it's how do I effortlessly attune to new things like some people don't care. They like to, they like their Instagram. They like to they like to read their news. And there's a part of me that doesn't like to do that. It feels superficial. It feels like what else, what else can I do besides searching for a, a sense of comfort instead of being in a sense of comfort? Yeah. I also think there's a there's like an input output ratio. There's like an ideal input output. When you're operating in that range, and it may differ for individual differences, that you feel better and you're operating at a more optimal level. Taking in information, releasing information um, is there, there's, you know, and I think it goes through phases like, you know, we do a lot of research where we have to take in and then put out. But on a consistent basis, like on a day-to-day -day basis, it's nice to have a near balance of that, right? Yeah, and that's all thinking. Yeah. That's the thing is all this stuff is information for the thoughts. And what, are, what do we become when all we do is think, think, think? It's all up in our head. It's not good for me it's personally. all up in our head. And the moments where people feel so alive and engaged with life is when their whole body is activated. Not everyone has to be competitive and play sports. But I think everyone can understand that feeling in which they're using their whole body and they get lost in time. They Things speed up or slow down. They kind of don't have a sense of self anymore. 
And there's this overwhelming sense of joy that happens afterwards to be completely lost in the whole bodily experience. And that's feeling. We just think and I just think all day and I'm sitting in my car and I'm just thinking. And it's sometimes it's just so much. Yeah. It's like, oh man. I, and that's when I need to do things like go run or yeah. play sports for me. Yeah. I, I think that boils down to my, the biggest concern I have and what we talk about when we do some of our research, right, is why we focus on sports and looking at that as a container or context and a way to preserve that, right, to preserve this tradition, this human tradition that's ancient of, you know, engaging in physical activity, competition, individual pursuit of greatness um, for that reason, to remind us that we are, we do have these bodies, these vessels that need to be used and lubed up through action. We're made of a million pieces. Some pretty cool pieces too, man. You know, it's not just the head. You just fun stuff. <laughs> my, my, you know, right now I'm moving my hands, I'm moving my arms, and we have all these fun things to work with. Yet we choose to just to sit in front of a computer and let it all go on in our brain. And the big, one of the biggest research findings from Mike Csikszentmihalyi, positive psychologist, founding father. It's that quality of life is how you use effortful attention. Yeah. Yeah. Passivity feels nice. Passive entertainment ultimately feels very empty. Time and time again, everyone gets surveyed this across demographics and people feel empty afterwards. And I think it's cool to watch movies and TV shows and be wrapped up in these things. Uh, it's, and there needs to be a balance with effortful attention. Otherwise, our soul empties and we lose a fire in our belly. And we all like to have a fire in our belly. Yeah. Bruises, bruises, stew of the heart, fire in the belly. Yeah. And that's coming back to that hardwiring happiness is like, yeah. how can we imprint that so that our fire is well-maintained? Got a nice big fire Throw going. some logs on there. Throw some logs, you know. Just have it nice and contained, you know. Don't, you don't be careful. <laughs> You ever make a fire that's too, they're like immediately, you're like, oh, this, we went overboard here. Yeah, that happens yeah. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that happens a lot. Well, it's both too much. internally and ex externally is like a great example. Like you're at a campfire, right? And you throw on a couple logs because you're like, yeah, let's, there's a part of you, right? Let's see how big this could get. Let's make a fire. And then, and then immediately, like, oh shit, this is, <laughs> <laughs> it's big fire. Sparks are flying over your head, you know? Uh, and it, yeah, it's a good metaphor, I think, for, for stoking our flames. Cause here's the thing. Uh, it could die out, right? If you stoke it, you're at, all of a sudden you look around, you don't have enough wood to sustain that fire. So you burn out. You burn out and then empty. And that's a feeling of uh, tired. It's okay to be tired, but it's a feeling of uh, not being creative. Yeah. Of not creating, of wanting to stay in bed, low motivation. And there's definitely seasons in life where I feel that. Uh, that had the cauldron empty. But to stoke the fire, to stoke the flames, like you said, man, it's just so good to have a, a consistent flame. And when it does go overboard, when I get too stoked, that's also dangerous. Yeah. I think also like building a physical fires in a sense, you know, we're talking uh, full moon, for example, we're talking rituals earlier and the power of, of attaching meaning and setting intentions to your activities or your actions, especially – you know, in consider considering um, the environment, cycles of the moon, these natural cycles. The calendar. Yeah. New Year's. New Year's. There's yep. so much energy on New Year's. Even for people who don't quote unquote like New Year's, there's, I guarantee you, everyone in their back of their head, they're kind of like, oh, New Year. Yeah. It's a collect, we live in a collective consciousness, right? Where there's this field that we're operating in all the time. And yeah, New Year's. It's it, Halloween too. Even Halloween, on Halloween, you can mask on. Yeah, you can feel it. There's a certain there's a certain element. So it's you're talking about how do you tap in tap into that and um and you know maximize that energy in those moments through rituals. Yeah, I think building a fire is a great ritual. Yeah, and not it probably in a in a place that's safe. Safe. Yeah, you want to build fires where fires are meant to be built. <laughs> yeah. Outdoors for the most part. Yeah. Or in a chimney. Because then it's the wrong energy. You know, yeah. you don't want to uh, take a nap in a tornado. 
Probably not. No. You no. can't. And if you try, you're screwed. Trust me, I've tried. <laughs> I've tried to relax in a tornado yeah. and sit down and ground myself. Doesn't work. No. I ragdoll. Yeah. And then I get pissed. Yeah. Uh, instead, if I'm in a tornado, make the best of the tornado ragdoll. Go around, dance in the tornado. I'm not saying a physical tornado for those right. of you listening. Um, uh, this podcast is located in California. <laughs> we have earthquakes, not tornadoes. Yeah. yeah. So for the full moon, I like to I like to run. I like to run because I just love this idea of just using every ounce of energy in my body to go forward. And, and the moon is at its brightest. The waves are higher up. The waves are a little more wild because of the crazy moon. So I, I raise my vibration, so to speak. That's my language. And so then I run. And this last time on the full moon, I was running on the beach, right at sunset. Sun was going down, just enjoying life. And a bird pooped on my shoulder. I wasn't wearing a shirt. So it pooped right on my shoulder. Very meaningful. Very meaningful. I think the bird healed my hurt shoulder first off because birds are very magical creatures. Well, the seagull is symbolic of the ocean and of commitment apparently. So it's a sign that I was on the right path of it pooping on my shoulder. And then I just laughed. And that's where my big moment came. Mm. I was laughing. I was just hysterical running on the beach. Yeah, there's some people on the beach. And just poop on my shoulder. And it wasn't that much. Just a little bit of, it was about like three lines of white poop. But it felt good. <laughs> it felt good for some, not the poop, but like just it felt good. I was laughing hysterically yeah. at the, uh, the absolute ridiculousness of it. Absurdity. Yeah. That's a great, great example and image. Uh, and more so just running, laughing hysterically is species trip down your arm but the meaning right you attached meaning to it and i think that's so you know we we have that capacity to do that and to write our own story so to speak um you could have easily said change that to okay this bird just shit on my shoulder i'm you know now i gotta go home this what does this mean i gotta go home and wash it why off. why me why me or why me right and then why does this always like happen specific to me? actions yeah i hate poop as if you've always as if you've had this like recurring theme throughout your life you this know day keeps getting worse and yeah. worse right right or birds are magical i'm on the right path and i'm committed i got chosen i was chosen yeah dude i was chosen right frodo was chosen to deliver that ring to that volcano mountain. Yeah. Nice. That's from the, that's a, that's a cultural <laughs> reference from the movie Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I, think, I think we're, I think our listeners are following on the Frodo tip. <laughs> that was a cultural reference right there. See how I did that? Yeah. But that's the, dude, like you, you know, and what's funny is that's how we use, not necessarily funny per se, but that's how we used to make meaning yeah. all the time, right? Where those little actions, we take them and we run with them. Now, for you, you can keep that and and look at it without, you know, committing that your life story and making that like a paramount turning point in your vision. But you still have the way to like integrate that into your worldview in a way that makes you laugh. Integrate. Integrate to laugh. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the key. That is the key to life is how to integrate everything to make you laugh. Because yep. laugh and real laughter, not fake laughter. Real laughter comes from this like primal sense of screaming that is like can't hold it in that's the laughter and how can we integrate so much to the point of that yeah powerful powerful very powerful because we used to be at the mercy of luck and be okay of that when i say we as like i think pre-civilized humans and we used to be the mercy of food whenever it would appear and some days we go hungry, some days we don't. But usually humans were actually pretty good at finding food as hunter-gatherers. Really good. I, I think that I read we actually spent like two hours a day hunting for food or gathering. So we were actually very efficient with our time. Mm -hmm. And then the agricultural revolution happened and there was a shift in our way of being. Some theorists say that we now want to control 
our destiny. Instead of being at the mercy of luck, we want to control and save food. We hate luck. We hate fortune now. We try to control every aspect of our living because that's better than being at the mercy of luck. We spent three million years at the mercy of luck and we're doing just fine, evolving. Mm-hmm. No more. Well, also, when you break down luck, like you could break luck down into sub dimensions, right? Because some of luck we did believe we not in this, not controlled, but contributed to through rituals, through yes. prayer, through re- exhibiting reverence for certain elements or gods or myths. And that act of devotion, then we received luck as a result, right? But it's coming from a completely different place of control. That's coming from a place of surrender. That man can control. Yeah. That we can control the earth. That we, by controlling it, we'll actually impact it better than letting go. I do believe, I agree with you, that myths and gods and religion all were a way, stories is a way to get us into a mindset Mm -hmm. to put hard work. the, The saying goes, put hard work in a Devote hard work to put you in a place where good luck can find you. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and also put us in a in a state of 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 surrender and acceptance and and humility. Right. All these qualities that we still, uh, you know, revere and hold and values that we respect, they were all exhibited during those moments of of prayer or sacrifice. And you know, some of the fa- sacrifice you could. Take it or leave it, and a lot of them leave it, you know. <laughs> but uh, but there's still, you know, it was it, it, a lot of those rituals came from that place, which I think we could use some of that today. So how can we integrate to the point of feeling that? Yeah, because I think integrating and accepting is a way to be okay at the mercy of luck. Yeah, that's what it's. Oh, it's okay that this happened. This randomly happened. And it was not my control that happened. Right. And I think the more we are able to do that the more we let go, accept, and integrate what happens spontaneously, that puts us aligned with opportunities. It allows us to see things as opportunities. That's what the whole Taoism is about, is being in the flow. Taoism is like the way. It's being in the way with nature. And I think when you do that, you can start to see opportunities. Yeah. It's being in the way of nature so you can get out of the way. Yeah. Being in it. You're in the stream versus trying to push against the stream. And so when the bird pooped on me, when the bird pooped on me, I was accepting and going with it. And so that allowed me to be with nature. And and it was more of a – it became a learning way. It was also with nature because I literally had nature <laughs> on me. Yeah. But it was a learning. How could I learn? Yeah. Instead of, I hate the feeling of tension against reality. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, the idea of resisting versus acceptance. Um, accepting what is, you know, I had that, the moment where I lost my wallet and I realized that there was a few, I exhibited a few, um, you know, I expressed certain emotions prior to arriving at acceptance, right? Um, and that was okay, but then I, I spent part of that car ride, once I realized music wasn't gonna work, just sitting with it and being like, okay, this is this is what it is. This is the emotional state you're in too. This is the emotional state I'm in. This is the external, this is my internal reality, which I'm frustrated. It's 10.30, I don't wanna be driving. I mean, why is there, why is there traffic at 1030, <laughs> yeah. right? So all these emotions internally and then external, what does that mean as well? And getting there, you know, when you when you get to the point where you can just say F it, right? Like, it, like okay, a bird just shit on my shoulder. Like, well, what can we do? That's easy compared yeah. to being in traffic. Right, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Traffic is, is, the, is the grandest opportunity and level difficulty. Yeah. It's extreme difficulty. Yeah. It's too difficult for, for most of us, I would say. Because I don't think just because it's difficult means it's the most worthy or the best thing for us to do. Um, because sometimes that difficulty is just you need to work your way up to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Running eight miles is good for you. But if you can't run one mile, don't go to eight. And so that's why I kind of like don't want to be in traffic. I don't think I'm spiritually ready for traffic. 
<laughs> Maybe I'm not spiritually ready for Instagram. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good awareness just to have. But <laughs> yeah. You don't know thyself. Know where you're at. That's a big part of it too. Is, but then sometimes you get hit with those things. You're like, and then you have to deal with it. You got to deal with it, right? Then you sit in it and you try your best. Yeah. And you have the compassion to be like, all right, I really am pissed right now and I don't care to be present with it. Screw this. I hate right. life. I'm eating Chipotle, 100%. going extra guac, going extra meat. Yeah. We're well, going I, I need something to offset this. Like I'm yeah. at such a deficit. I'm so outmatched, right? I think of like a sports game, right, where you're like a fifth grade team and you're playing eighth graders. You're like, there's no way we can win. I need to call in. A, I need to recruit. Yeah. So you call in like a 10th grader to yeah. play for you, right? And that could be your Chipotle. You get some, you bring in resources. The demands are so high. You get some external resources to help you just get through that. And that's fine. Or you don't, you just don't want to get pissed and quit the yeah. game. Yeah. 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 So that's yeah, the exactly. problem. You never want to, we never want to quit the game and we never want to win by so much that we crush the team. That's crush not the fun either. Spirit, the team's The other team's spirit. The spirit. Yeah. Right. Or if you're playing a game and you're so good at it, that it becomes boring. Yeah. We don't want that either. We want to be neck and neck. Yeah. Yeah. We can go. We could go all the way. Should we touch on our path. flow and our well, challenge? Let's go into the, week. the flow. Yeah. We got a little bit of time left here. Yeah. Okay. Let's flow of the week. Flow of the week for me? Yeah. What's your flow of the yeah. week? Yeah. Flow of the week for me? Yoga. Love to hear that. Yeah. Uh, recently started practicing again. And, um, you know, it's been really, it's been awesome. Uh, I kind of, I got through that first. It's kind of like breaking your body down again, where that that initial threshold of discomfort and beginning to stretch again and move in these ways um, has has subsided. So now I'm actually in that phase where you, I enjoy stretching and, and learning to move. It also translates well into just into daily life. And I feel I'm more inspired to be active mm. when I practice. So that's that's been a flow that's really been. I've been digging. And you went to the studio in Pasadena. Yeah. Studio in Pasadena. Uh, shout out One Life Yoga. One Life. Sponsoring One Life Yoga. And it's, all, it's, it's Hatha. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> my, my, my trial's running up here <laughs> shortly. So, you know, let's talk. Let's talk, Reza. Uh, so, uh, but it's, it's all Hatha-based. So it's very, it's just different levels of temperature. But the Hatha is one of the older traditions and it's very formal, very systematic yeah, and it's been like really proven mm. to have the benefits. So I've been digging it. Um, what about you? It's been running. Running. You know, I hurt my shoulder a month ago. Still hurts, so I haven't been able to do a lot of activities. But I'm at the point of running where I'm. St- it's becoming a game. It took a long time, man. You know, similar to you, when I first got back into running for training for my half marathon, it was like, all right, I'm gonna run uh, three miles today. It was kind of tough. It was, it was really tough to get back into that that first hump of a lot of effort. And now that I'm running, getting to the eight, nine, ten miles, running for over an hour, it's so much fun. It's a game. It the endorphins start going nuts in the mind, and it's and I run without music, so it's kind of a space for me to be bored. Mm-hmm. And. I got the skill of endurance so I can run while being in that empty space. And it, it's hard. I want to listen to music most of the time, um, but it's become a practice. It's become so much fun. Yeah. That initial getting over that. I want to know if you, cause you ran a half marathon before. Yeah. Right. So was there a point where you were comparing yourself to your previous? I still am for sure. Yeah, yeah. But because my race is in a different environment, I'm racing in Joshua tree with sand. It's like, all right, this is a different beast. Yeah. It's a completely different beast. Nice. Even though I'm trying to break my last pace, um, it's also going to be different. And I don't expect myself to. So there's no, no different novelty to yeah. the environment. That's cool. I'm running on the beach. Yeah. Nice. On it's sand. Hard to beat that. Challenge. Challenge. Uh, balance. Balancing um, now academics and um, consulting work. So prioritizing. And um, prioritizing, uh, prioritizing, and also prioritizing things that I might not prioritize. Hmm. That makes sense. Uh, certain 
certain assignments or coursework, I don't derive the same value from as I do, for example, conducting a workshop or, uh, you know, more of the applied stuff that we're doing. So um, having to make the meaning, right, make meaning in those mundane tasks is that's that's been my challenge and that's mm. what I'm going to work on. So the, maybe, you know, I'll look at the your story of how you made meaning of the bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For that. I can learn from this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how about you? Coursework is tough. Yeah. For that exact reason. Um, my challenge is prioritizing one thing and going work ethic hard sprinting, sprinting at it. So I have this one project that I just need to complete and it's been taking me forever. And I just want to work at it the same way that I'm working at running. Hmm. It's hard because running... It's actually easier for me to do exercise than it is to do schoolwork or writing a paper because running, it's like if I hydrate properly and I eat properly, I can go run. Yeah. With with creative work, I can't have that same physical rush. And so it's difficult to sit down and get all the distractions out of my life so that writing becomes effortless. Mm. The difficulty, I've realized this, the difficulty is not in writing. The difficult that it should be easy. That's what it should be. Anything we want to do, we want to achieve, we want to be easy. The hard part, the difficulty is how do we erase distractions? And that's very difficult. Going to the gym can be very easy and it should be effortless for people if they want to start an exercise habit. The difficulty is how do you get all the junk out of the way so it becomes effortless? Well, if you figure that out, let me know. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> trying to figure it out. Um, look, I think that's what we got time for today. Um, you know, we took a little break, a little hiatus in between seasons. Uh, season two, I think this is, is in full swing. Um, great to get back at it. Follow us on Instagram. We do have an Instagram at about being alive podcast. We're posting updates there. We're posting updates. And in this season, you know, we're going to go. We're going to go a little more off the cuff here and veering in and out of psychology and also some different uh, different philosophies and, and traditions to, to mix it up and try to bring and, and talk about really what's happening now, what's most relevant. So I um, hope you guys were digging this one and look forward to chatting more in the future. Coming to you live from Studio B3. This is About Being Live signing off. Thank you.